episode six of Training Talking Truths. I'm here with Lizzie, who's um, someone who does a bit of running and kind of a spiritual person, I'd say, mm-hmm. from what I've heard. I haven't heard much from uh, Jimmy, who did episode five of us, right. but I think it's better when you don't know much. So when you're talking yeah. about it, it's more authentic, kind of, you know. Mm-hmm. So what the podcast is about, it's Training Talking Truths. So training is your physical health, thought is your mental health, and spiritual is, oh, sorry, truth is your spiritual health. And kind of how I think that between the entry headings, combined you know you can talk about nearly anything you know you can pull anything from it so you do a bit of is it half marathon running yeah yeah how did you get into to doing that well i started off um with couch 5k oh yeah the app or? <laughs> no, no um, sorry i use the app thing. <laughs> yeah <laughs> so i started off and there was a group in my weight loss class yeah i was in seminar at the time i was after um having my fourth child and she was about a year old, so I decided to start doing some exercise, you know, and um, started off couch 5k, done that, didn't think I'd ever do 5k, yeah. let alone anything else. Was it literally from the couch, you weren't doing anything? I literally to... went from the couch, Yeah. <laughs> definitely, yeah, and um, done that, then kind of got the running bug, and started to like... The running high is yeah, what Yeah, runner's high. You know, the endorphins and feeling good and seeing results and things like that. So yeah. decided then I'd train 5k to 10k. Yeah. So done that. That's a big jump. Yeah, it's a big jump and it's double because when you're running, you're breaking it down all the time. I do two and a half this way four times. So yeah, you, know, yeah you plan it out in your head or, yeah, or your phone or whatever. Right. And do you use any um, trackers? Would you bring your phone to see your distance or watches? I never or? did at no. the start. No, not until I got maybe past 10k. Right. Then I started going, oh, I want to watch, you know. Yeah. Everyone had these watches. Do you find it helpful? But, um, well, I didn't get one for myself. I got one for my husband, actually. So I used his. Yeah. And I did find with my pace, it did help. Because I needed to, in my head, I, need, I had a time I wanted to break. So I know I'd have to run, say, six minutes per kilometer right. in order to break the hour or under, yeah. you know. So um, after a while, well, I just have a Fitbit now at the moment because... And you find them good? Yeah, it's all right. It's, I think they're, yeah. well, they, in some ways, is it check your heart rate, rate and stuff yeah. like that, does it? Yeah, I think they're, they're good for some ways, I think, you know, you, you keep an eye on your steps and you know your pace. You can probably gauge yourself off yeah. your last or where you usually are. You know yeah. if you're kind of behind or... Yeah, your past runs and tests yeah. that you increased or yeah. what's your fitness like now. Sometimes it's good when you save and you look back over the week, you have it logged and you're kind of like, it's nice to see you've burnt down calories or you've yeah. done this, that and the other kind of yeah. way. But um, have you noticed any injuries creeping from doing that? Because you went on from... You do yeah. ultra, ultra, half marathon. What is um, the distance of that? Uh, it's 21 kilometers. 21 kilometers, okay. Yeah. So I went then from 10k to train to 10 mile. Right. So they say in logic, once you do 10 mile, you can do half. Yeah. So I thought if I got to 10 mile, I'd do the half. 10 mile is a big yeah. new jump. So that was um, 16 kilometers. Yeah. Okay. So thankfully, no major injuries. Um, the usual, maybe sciatica, um, maybe the knee. Now, when I first started running, my knee used to flare up and um, balloon quite a bit. Yeah. Um, so I take salt baths and I went for a sports massage, you know, every couple of months. And um, really kind of 
more for me, the nutrition was where I struggled. Right, okay. You know. Yeah, because it's one thing taking up running. Yeah. It's another thing to food. Don't they say it's like 70-30 or 80-20 kind yeah. of food side of things. Yeah. And I, I, I often said I do agree with that in some ways. Mm. In other ways, I do think that, you know, sometimes they take that data from the, the run you do from minute one to minute 30, say. Yeah. And then they calculate how much calories you lost. But it also puts your, your body into kind of fat burning mode, you know, and how does it speeds up. So you are actually, you know, your speed foods work better afterwards. So yeah. I do think that, I think it's almost 50-50 in some ways. Now maybe, yeah. maybe a bit more eating-wise, you know. Yeah. I know you can drop some around the weight with eating, but you won't tone up or be physically fit. No. You know, lungs and heart and organs-wise. Yeah. And of. all the kind of personal trainers and people will tell you, don't eat your exercise calories. You yeah. know, if you have a goal, yeah. don't eat them. Yeah. Whereas I was always starving after doing long runs. Yeah. And quite often I could be hungry for two or three days. Really? Yeah. And Jeez. I just wanted to eat. Yeah. Sometimes you know? it gives you that craving oh, for it when yeah. you do a big run. Like I remember my first um my first hundred K cycle I did. Um and I don't I don't think I was able for it when I did it. And I came back and say I'd been eating well the night before, drinking water eating a good breakfast, going out and eating snacks, healthy snacks yeah. on the way. Then I threw the bike into the back of the car and we ordered a takeaway and yeah. I ate that and then I ate the dinner from earlier on and reheated it, you know, and then yeah. how many calories did I actually put back on, you know? Exactly, yeah. But it, it does if you, yeah. yeah, it does a bit. Yeah. So okay. just talking about injuries yeah. or running, you know, I know there's a lot of people and I've heard it a lot, you know, I came across a lot of injuries myself and... Mm. Um, Shin splints was a big thing for me. I always kind of had them. Um, and, you know, I know this an idea, you know, you're going out, you're running on pavement. See, I think running is the most readily accessible kind of exercise to you. Mm. It's just a matter of putting your shoes on and going outside. Okay. And yeah. it's it's a lot easier than going to the gym, driving there, clicking in and all the rest, yeah. you know. But um, I know you do, you can come across you know, the pain. Um, but I wonder in a lot of ways, you know, I went to a physio and they said, it's just, your, your shins are actually just knotted up. It's not your bones. Mm -hmm. They said, and they did this dry kneading technique. Yeah. And it freed up my shins completely then. Right. And then, then I went running and there was no pain. And then they said, you know, we do a bit of weight, lower body weights, weight lifting on your legs and you build them up. Yeah. This, I was reading interesting facts on running that it actually, if you do like 20 to 30 kilometers, um, your bone density a week, your bone density actually increases like okay. weightlifting. So your your body adapts to it. Yeah. But when you go over the fifty mark a week, your immune system on all breaks down. So yeah. they say the most healthy people are people who run three times a week for twenty minutes. Right. And uh, that's what you should aim for. And if you're having problems with legs and knees and all, mm. you can get kind of customized insoles or go see a sports specialist. And yeah. you know, there's ways of tweaking it. Yeah. Because I know if you turn around and said to someone, oh, "Don't go running," you know, you wreck yourself. Very hard to go and do something else then as well, isn't it? Yeah. You know, it's very hard and it's I great. Mean, yeah. You know, they I say used to just let that go over my head when people would say that. Did know? you? Yeah. yeah there's people in our club now in uh, Castle Dermot, and I mean they're going on to do their third marathon this year. You know, and yeah. they're going and getting their um, sports massage and looking after themselves yeah. and stuff like yeah. that. But uh, for me, stretching was a big thing. Really? Okay. Yeah. So heard this, yeah. Yeah, and now the stretching. When I didn't stretch properly, I would notice that I would literally seize up. Yeah, yeah. And the times when I spend time just to 10 minutes, 15 minutes after a run, 
to really just stretch out. Mm-hmm. And my calves used to, you know, my lower calves and my upper calf yeah. used to really pain me. Yeah. And then, um, again, strengthening them by foam rolling and, yeah. you know, stretching out. Just all the exact things, you know, we were talking on the last one and we were talking about my, I'm seeing a physio at the moment and uh, about my legs and foam rolling and calf stretches, you know, where you, you go down on a step. That's what I and do. Exact yeah. things and it mm. helps some fears, you know. Yeah. I used to be able to do one run a week before and before my shins would feel better again. Mm. And I did three two weeks after I went to see her in the same week and it's the first time I've ever had to do that without right. having pain in my legs. It definitely does help, doesn't yeah. it? If you knew it inside out. Yeah, I do it on the stairs or on the, the stairs, path exactly. outside. Yeah, you can do it anywhere. Stuff. It's so easy to so stretch easy. it, you know. Or even if you're waiting for the kettle to boil, yeah. you stretch out your calves. Yeah, you, you do know. it there and then. But just as well, you know, when we're talking about the injuries of it, I was just looking up the longevity of how people can run. I was talking to on episode one, Noel, a friend of mine, and I was, he was saying, you know, you can run for as long as you want, you can cycle for as long as you want. You see 80, 90 year olds sometimes jogging and that, you know. Yeah. But the youngest marathon runner in the world is a guy, he's from Brazil, and he's turning five this year, and he has 48 marathons run, run wow. you know. Um, and the oldest is a hundred year old from Africa who's running marathons. Um, but it just goes to show you that spectrum, yeah. it can be done, it you know, done. It, like, and it's worthwhile. Yeah looking into it and getting yourself checked and maybe yeah. getting your gait done if you're having problems yeah. or getting customized shoes yeah. and but it helps as well as on the physical side your mental health and self-esteem and all yeah. it's it's shown proven to go a lot higher jump up yeah. it's a study done recently like 80 percent of men find it was done in canada 80 percent of men found that they they feel better in themselves. They think they look better. And 60% of women felt the same way, you yeah. know. It's interesting. It's interesting yeah. there's a differential there as well, you know. But and it's not even... The, you could go for a walk. Yeah. And might not get the same endorphin. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. Yeah, yeah. But I think you, you take yourself out of comfort zone and run, don't yeah. you? And you kind of... It's like a you, mental thing. Yeah. I always found for me, um, running was myself breaking through my own mental barriers. Yeah, yeah. Something I thought I couldn't do, I was doing, yeah. and I could achieve. And even on day, I mean, this morning I went for a seven kilometer now, and it was one of the hardest ones I've had. Really, yeah. Like I'm only really starting back. And um, I had surgery nine months ago. Oh, did you? On your so, legs, your knee? No, on my stomach. Oh. Yeah, so I had some uh, cysts removed, and while I was having the cysts removed, and um, they punctured, um, was it my my bowel was oh. punctured. Which, yeah, which then resulted in my appendix having to come out, so it turned into a major, um, a major operation. So it took me, I haven't really been running up until about maybe three months ago. Really? I'm back into it now. So how hard was that? Because I'm obviously laid off, you know, um, with with my arm or my shoulder broken, had to get plates in it. And I was training for the ring at Kerry one week before it, went over the last kilometre of a cycle. But I find... I, like I only had to stop for six weeks, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I presume you might have had to stop for longer. Months, yeah. Months, yeah. And how, like, it mentally, in my mind, you know, it's cracking the, the way the summer is now. I can mm-hmm. see people zooming by the bikes yeah. and people running, and it's killing me because the energy is low with the medication, and I'm going for a walk yeah. for three kilometers where I was doing 5K runs, or I was doing 78 k cycles. Yeah. I think the mental thing 
is a tough thing to, to take on as well, isn't yeah. it? Did you find that in, or was it more physical getting back into it? Yeah, I think um, mental and physical. Yeah, both, both, yeah. Because I had to do stuff, I had to find something, first of all, that I could do. Yeah. That wasn't as um, hard on me as running would have been. Right. So I did start gentle walking after, you know, six, seven weeks. Um, and trained not to break into a jog, you know. Yeah, yeah. And um, then I found swimming. Right. So swimming has helped me massive. Um. Really on the treadmill at home, I have a treadmill, so I kind of go brisk walk on the treadmill. Anything that would say, right, I'll clock myself now. I'm going to do forty-five minutes. And yeah. That's going to be me. Yeah, yeah. And that in my head, I knew I had that space where I done forty-five minutes. And yeah. Because you can jump the gun though as well, can't you? You know, oh, yeah. if you're at home a week or two and you're like, I'm ready for this. Yeah. Like right now I feel so, I'm dying to, I could go to the gym right now. You know, I, I wish I could get on the bike right now. Yeah. And I tell don't, you know, like you yeah. can really mess yourself up if you don't yeah. let these things heal right, you know. Mm. Um, but I think that's where the, the mental side of it is. But, yeah. you know, in the physical element where you're saying you slowly kind of got back into it. Yeah. So you weren't too bad in terms of, you didn't lose your fitness, did you? Or did you lose it a bit? Yeah, I did. Now I noticed even with my running. Yeah. You know, I'm, I nearly, I, I don't know how I didn't die when I came home really? today. Really, yeah. <laughs> I was struggling. Yeah. Now and then there's days where you could have a great run. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? You know, and you could say, Chin, you could have done three more. Yeah, and you yeah. chalk it down sometimes to sleep, or your water intake, or your food, but sometimes you just, Sometimes you, you feel wrecked and you do the best run. Yeah. Isn't yeah. it that way? And sometimes you can, yeah. same way in the gym, sometimes I'm wrecked and I drag myself to the gym. Yeah. I'm lifting heavier than ever, you know, and I'm probably sweating more. Yeah. But it, it, you know, sometimes you're like, yeah. I'm really glad. You never, never, I don't think you ever regret doing these things. No. You never regret going for a run, you know, it's just hard to get out and do it sometimes. It's hard to get out and do it. Yeah. And you have to try and say, right, you have to be wise in another way because you have to think, well, if I give myself this few weeks or months to recover and then at least be stronger afterwards yeah, instead of putting yourself in jeopardy. That's the know. thing. You look forward and you look ahead and you say, look, I'm, I'm doing it to, for the long run. Yeah. Know, yeah. And sometimes, you know, you need that space. Yeah. Sometimes it's to slow you down and think, right, okay, I'm not invincible. Yeah. This can happen to me. I know. You know? Yeah. And there's a lot of thoughts, and like I often say, you know, when you're getting into the food side and the exercise side of things, you have to kind of rewire your brain to look at food certain yeah. ways and to see it as fuel more so and exercise as well. You, you kind of have to think of it as important as work every day. You know, you, you like you definitely you wouldn't miss work. You know, you'd be a big troll. You know, or you know wouldn't go down well. You know, you need it. exercise should be more important. You know, but I think that as well that rewiring comes when you get into say you're talking about the runner's book. Yeah. I think the more then you run, the more you realize, well, look, I'm, I'm putting myself through this hardship because running is hardship. You know, you're under pressure yeah. and I may as well be right. And you kind of think you fall into that almost, yeah. don't you? The, the, the healthy yeah. eating then after a while, because mm. why, why bother doing a few runs a week? Would you do a few a week, would you say? Or yeah, I'm back doing kind of three a week now. Three a week. That's a good number, yeah. I think. So maybe five, six, seven kilometers. Yeah. I did a ten two weeks ago. Yeah. Um, and I was delighted because that was my first ten since last October. Yeah. So in my head now, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm back to ten. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But again, it's all mental. Yeah. You know, you see, 
you see people as well sometimes, and I would have struggled myself, I can recognise it in them, who are starting out running and, you know, a kilometre and a half into it, they want to stop. Yeah, yeah. And it's to train yourself to know, you know, just yeah. keep going, put the head down, That's keep it. going and push through. It is, and funny enough, I, we were talking about that Couch of 5K, I downloaded a Couch of 5K app a couple of years ago, and it was this kind of thing of, go for a walk for five minutes, then run for five minutes, then walk for a minute, run for five minutes. That was fine. I finished it, and I honestly thought that I was putting in 100%. And um, then a friend of mine who is in the army, is uh, a corporal in the army, uh, and also runs a kickboxing club, he said, you're coming running for me, with me today. And this is only January this year. I said, okay. And he said, by the way, we're going to be sprinting from here to here, there to there, and we're going to go straight into a 5K run, and you're not stopping you know, and uh, I was like, I don't think I can do that, you know, and uh, he said, right, let's go, you know, and then, um, you know, he, he could see where the, the, the army mentality came in, and I realised I was in for this, so a few times I went to stop, and he says, uh, he said, don't stop, he said, you might slow down, do not stop, or whatever, and then, the second tour came into it, and um, you kind of, you know, you find your level then, sometimes, you know, you, you balance it out, now, I was tired when I finished, yeah. and I, he actually dropped down onto the ground. He goes, get up, your heart will collapse if you come and go to a complete stop. But then I looked at, I went out the next day and I did a 5K by myself quicker. And then two days later, I went out and did a 5K quicker. It's like I broke that barrier. Yeah. I realized that at 160, you know, heart rate, you know, you're not going to collapse. You know what I mean? You, you can put your, you have to break through that hardship of it. Yeah. And it is a mental barrier, I think. And I look back at all my runs and all my averages were 160, you know, heart rate. And then, uh, then my newer ones were like 175 but I was getting through it I was going further and I was doing yeah. it quicker and then I realised that you know your threshold is a lot higher than people think I know it feels like you're wheezing and you're, you can't yeah. go further but then when you do push a little bit further yeah. you get into the swing of it and I always think you, you can shut off your brain I think yeah. and, and exercise I often bring earphones with me and um, listen to music or a playlist or an audio book yeah. or something like that And would you listen to music when you're running at all? No No Not a massive and um, earphone fan yeah. when running. I find they annoy me more than anything else. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. what I was finding when I was going out running, the music or the repetitiveness of the sound yeah. when I was under pressure physically yeah, yeah. would um completely annoy me. Sure so I would enough, have to yeah. just pull them out. Yeah. You know? It's funny, I I've asked that question to uh, nearly all my guests on this and there's always varied answers, you know. Some people like the music, some people don't. Yeah. It interferes with some people. Some people like sorting out clears their head when they go running and they sort out what they, you know, yeah, what to do the next day. That's you probably know? you, yeah. Yeah. And would you do much uh jumping onto the thoughts of things, would you do much reading? Um not a very good uh reading books, no. No. Not a massive reader. Um more listening to YouTube channels or like this podcast. Yeah. Would you, you know audiobooks at all go audiobooks, yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. But, I haven't Explored that it's not, it's a yeah. relatively new kind of anyway. Yeah. I think you know the idea, or it's only become popular really. I know it's around a few years, but really, the last year or so, I think it's really more taken off. Mm. Um, and these and the idea of podcasts as well. I think you know, yeah. it's kind of slowly yeah. starting to replace people's radios. I think you know, because people are yeah. choosing what they want to listen to rather than look, waiting for random things to come on the radio. Yeah. They're looking up an interesting thing and say, I'll save that and I'll listen to it yeah. the way into if you have a long commute, especially. I yeah. find I drive to Dublin every day, and I do find a laugh a lot. 
I, I save something, I come across and I say, oh, I'll listen to that for the yeah. hour on the way to Dublin, you know, or something like that, you know, yeah. or for a long cycle, I would I put on, you know, an audio book rather than music, you know, that would work. through your phone, would it be through your phone? True, yeah, true, I put on one of your phone through here, um, and I download one, yeah, and, and listen yeah. to them, yeah. That's kind it. I think um, I was looking at a watch myself, you know, because I don't actually have a running watch. It was yeah. Fitbit, but um, the Fitbit Versa, you know, they said you could, you know, listen to music while you were running. But yeah. Then you were kind of getting hooked into not Spotify, it's a different um, company. Yeah. You would have to pay monthly for that, which right. I know you do anyway. For yeah, any yeah. Of them, See, a lot of these things can add up as well, can't they? They can add up, but um, something like that wouldn't be really. For someone like me who's only going out, say, three times a week, I'd like to find something that's um, not too gadgety and yeah, download yeah. it easily enough. For yeah, me. yeah, there's a lot of like things like that. I know there's some... I do bring my phone with me just in case I ever yeah. crash, which, of course, did happen. And I was lucky yeah. I had it on me. But, um, you know, you can download stuff to the watch and all. I, I wouldn't be able to listen to an audiobook when I was running now because I don't think it's enough kind of, you know, yeah. go. And, it's, and I yeah. need every bit of go I can yeah. get, you know. I think though the, the audiobooks are like it's kind of like a revolution and kind of like it's like an escapism kind of yeah. you know in a lot of ways and then sometimes you turn it off it's easy to turn it off and you can just kind of think your thoughts and, and relax and enjoy yeah. the run or enjoy the cycle or whatever like that in a lot of ways but um, I think it's jumping a good bit but um, I think we'll jump on to truth now because I think we have a bit of ground to cover on this one I'd say more so um, would be right in saying you'd be Christian uh, be Catholic. Catholic, okay. Yeah. So, um, do you, were you always, or what? Yeah, well, my parents um, were Roman Catholic. Yeah. And so, usually you're baptised, communion, confirmation. Irish culture, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. whole job. Um, straight away from it, didn't want anything to do with it, really. Yeah. Um, came back to it when I was about 30. Yeah, okay. So... This this kind of you, you see this trend often I think um, where you kind of have to go through all the sacraments through school because that's the way schools were, mm-hmm. and you kind of lose interest in it in your teenage years in your twenties a bit, yeah. and um, then some people can kind of have a renewing of it a bit. I think I think that I found that for myself yeah. as well a couple of years ago. But what would you say? Kind of I, I said a few times on this podcast. We always go into this um, because it's one of the big motivations for me in life, um, not just exercising, but everything, you know, yeah. like, um, I think it gives you a whole different view on, on life, you know, your morality, you, you appreciate life a little bit more, I think, you know, um, but, like, when you say you kind of came back to it, what, what would have happened? Because I often say that it was more so experiences I went through. Yeah. Um, some strange experiences. I think I don't think everyone everyone has their own kind of ways yeah. of coming back to it. You know, I said I said recently on on it that you know I think you know God knocks on everyone's door, it does, yeah. but some people hear it, some people don't want to hear it. Some people have the distractions, the TV's too loud, they have the fingers in the ears. Some people, I think, you know. But what would you say were the kind of things that brought you back to it? Was it, did you go looking yourself, or did it find you in mm. a way? Um. I suppose before initially I went back, I was looking. Um, I was looking for something other than, I suppose what I felt was the emptiness of um, anything that was around me. You yeah. know, there was a lot of, um, 
I would have went to a lot of uh, spiritualists and um, I was getting kind of into angel card readings and I was kind of going down that kind of occult road yeah. where, um, you know, fortune tellers yeah, and yeah. trying to connect then with people who had passed and, you know, yeah, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, so yeah. I was looking... It's very common. People, yeah. A lot of people do, you know. I, I went do. to myself to, to see one. I think it was a bad idea. Yeah, yeah, and not knowing really that it was harming me, but again, searching. But um, I remember having a friend who I met through um, um, another group I was attending, and she was big into her um, prayers and mass and all that stuff, and I used to be like, okay. Yeah, yeah. That's grand, leave her after that. <laughs> yeah, he's you know? her own, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, but she's a lovely girl, again. Very good friend of mine became very good friends, and she never pushed anything on my neck. But used to kind of drop little seeds here and there, yeah. you know. And um, I remember I was pregnant with my third child at the time, and um, I suppose a lot of stuff had happened in my life as well. I lost my dad when I was very young, sixteen, you know, and. Um, a lot of family tragedies had happened, right. you know, my nephew and stuff like that. Stuff I hadn't dealt with, really. Yeah. You know, and then I was kind of, you know, as a young mother trying to deal with having kids and, yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah. So she was a great friend to me and she used to say, like, you know, come to the prayer meeting with me. One of the nights, I said, no, I'm not going over yeah. there. Yeah. I don't want to go. And she said, go on, you'd love it now. You'd really enjoy it if you come. So I went with her. This night, and me not being back to my faith at all, you know, hadn't been to Mass, and mm-hmm. um, didn't bring my kids to Mass that much, and I suppose it's for the christening or wedding, whatever, yeah, you know? yeah, the usual, yeah. Yeah, um, I went, and they were praying the rosary, and of course, I hadn't sat through a rosary, and I don't know how long. Yeah. But I remember as I was younger, my dad used to always bring me to Mass, and my mum. And my dad would bring me to confessions, and he'd go to confessions, and I'd remember sitting and waiting for him, and I'd go in, and it was always love, it always gave me great peace. Yeah. And I remember that as a child, mm-hmm. you know, but I suppose with life and things that happen, yeah, you lose that um, sense of peace in your heart. Yeah, you this, I think that, that by the time you're 30, they say, there's so many dimensions going on of your yeah. life, it's hard to make time for anything really, you know, and I suppose yeah. you... If you're not focusing on it, you, you kind of lose your way a bit of it. or Lose your way and you kind of, you let go, I suppose, for me, how I would describe it was letting go of God's hand. Yeah. So I'm on my own. Yeah, yeah. And I'm doing everything myself, you know. Mm-hmm. But when she did bring me, um, I said to her, like, kind of, you know, be killing it back. I need to, get, I need to go. Of course, she's like, no, no, hang on for a little while, hang on. So... Oh, geez, must have been about 25 minutes later anyway. Um, she said, would you like to get a prayer? These guys pray with people. Would yeah. you like to get a prayer? I said, well, well, it wouldn't be grand. Like, you know, we'll go home because it's getting late. I really didn't want anything. Yeah, yeah. You know, I felt it wasn't for me. And yeah. I just didn't want it. Too much too soon, probably. Yeah. Even like that. yeah. But anyway, um, being the good friend that she is, she kind of persuades me. You feel better. Go on. You, you know, yeah. you're grand. It's like, okay, grand. Because I trusted her too, you know. Yeah. So I sat down and um, I had a prayer, and um, 
the man who prayed with me, he had um, what I didn't know about it, but I know now for it to be the gift of tongues. Right, okay. So he prayed with me in the gift of tongues, and nothing like I could ever describe to anybody what I felt shifting within me. Mm-hmm. At so, that moment? At that moment. So he would, he's praying in the Spirit, you know, and in the Holy Spirit. So I literally felt moved. And I felt this release, you know, like the release. Yeah. And a great weight lifted off my shoulders. And he he had asked me about, um, well, you know, have you gone to Mass? Or have you been back to Mass? Or what do you do? Or I said, no, and I'm baptised and everything else. I haven't gone to Mass in years. And when's the last time you had confessions? And... Oh, Jenny, I think it would have been my confirmation, maybe. Yeah, yeah. It would have been my last confession, you know. And the idea of even going to confession, I was like, what do you confess? Yeah. You know, what's the sin? Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah, where do I start sometimes, yeah. you know? <laughs> you know, so um, literally, he prayed with me again. And I because I'd been into so much occult stuff, Yeah. Um, I had given over a lot of rights yeah. to the other side, is what I say, mm-hmm. that... You know, they had a right to be there. Yeah. yeah. And what he was doing, he, he prayed with me for God to release me and to take back all rights I had given yeah. taken over my life. Yeah. And give those rights back to Jesus. And that's what I did in that moment. Yeah. And, it's, you know, it's, yeah. it's it's hard to talk about this kind of stuff as well sometimes because I think, you know, like when you're think, talking about your friend initially, when you're, she was saying, come on to the prayer yeah. meeting, you know, you kind of step back. If, you know, when you hear these things for the first time, mm. a lot of people kind of step back and say, what are you talking about? You know, and sometimes you're, you put you off talking about it. Yeah. But I think, you know, you, you're so, in your life, you're so heavily influenced by these, you know, this side and that, you know, um, from the light and the dark in a lot of ways. I think that it's worth talking about. People need to talk about it more, you know, because yeah. a lot of people when they think of religion, they think of, oh, you know, you know, what, Catholicism has done over the years and the scandals is that and the other and it put a lot of people off it mm-hmm. but I think you know um, it, it's not about that altogether you know no. you know there's a you know the fact that we can you know we all I think everyone lives as if we are just a spark of divinity within everyone you know everyone knows how valuable a life is yeah. you know they know it's not bacteria and chemicals yeah. that form by chance or you know we know our value you know yeah. and I think that we avoid these questions in a lot of ways, um, but like I've I've never heard anyone speak in tongues or anything like that. And I'd say it's did, when you went home that night. Yeah. Did you you know were you blown away or were you uh, straight to the front door? Or, you know what's going on? Or well, he advised me to um, go to confessions. Yeah. You know because essentially, um, confession is your soul's bath. Yeah. Yeah. So for me. You know, if you are in this room and if you haven't, even if you haven't come in here for a while, mm-hmm. dust will gather. Yeah, yeah. And the same with your soul. Yeah. Even if you haven't done anything major, major in your life, you still have to, you know, repent of this or the other. Yeah. We all, like, we're, we're all sinners. We all make mistakes. We all hurt people. You know, yeah. we make mistakes. Yeah. And that's the way it is. And we have to um, atone for them and make right with God. Yeah. And that night, kind of thought about it I never felt peace as I felt that night yeah 
so much to the point that I knew um, it was true yeah. for me. Yeah. You know, um, I felt like an immense beam of light. Mm-hmm. And the only way I can describe that is like um, God penetrated to the depths of my being mm-hmm. and he showed me he was there yeah. and he illuminated my soul. Yeah. And I felt nothing but love in that moment, you yeah, know? Yeah. So I was convicted. Yeah, yeah. And you I know, know what it, it, I think sometimes, you know, sitting down with someone who's an atheist or agnostic, mm. you're not it's gonna be a, a stretch to try and convince them of just by saying, you know, you know, I, I I've talked a lot about about like I had an experience something similar and I went down into looking up could this be evidentially possible scientifically and I looked up you know the history of of Christ and the cosmology and all these things and when people were kind of attacking me on it because I feel as though what I found was that when I had my experience I found people came out of the woodwork a bit and it's like they could sense it on Mm -hmm. me almost you know and uh, families and friends and angry about it you know and like I wasn't going around preaching but it was like they could see it you know um, like there's one example I'm thinking of where we I was at my dad and brothers and I went to the bar and we were talking about whatever and I came back and they were talking about Christ and they turned you you believe in him don't you and this, that's how it started you yeah, know and the yeah. same thing my friend one day driving home and uh, one of the lads picked us up from the pub he started talking about it and they said you you know and this all happened very short period and I couldn't defend myself because I didn't know much about it all I'd known is that I'd gone through this experience yeah. so I then I had to delve into it a bit but I think that sometimes it takes that um, experience sometimes that you know God does knock on everyone's door and I do believe that and sometimes maybe you go by going to that prayer meeting or by saying okay yeah. to your friend maybe you just open that door that little bit yeah. or you took that much little bit of notice of it mm-hmm. you know and then you know the light came in or whatever you yeah. know because I think she, she would say like she prayed for me and she was praying for me all the time yeah because she knew I didn't believe yeah, yeah. And she was praying for my conversion. Yeah. And I believe it was her prayers. Yeah. You know? Because it's a big thing, you know, if you believe and, you know, people who, who you love or you know, who don't because really if you believe it, you know, you're trying to, you know, you don't want to push things on them. Yeah. At the same time, you know, you really hope that they'll get there yeah. for their own good and, you know, for, for the long run because sometimes yeah. we, we look at it this and, this is all just material, you know, this is just, you know, the other side of life is materialism. Yeah. And, you know, similar enough to you, when I, I think I was kind of always agnostic, maybe, and then I started falling out of it, falling away from it my teenage years and my 20s, and I stopped yeah. thinking about it. I think around that age you can do that, you know, mm. you go drink at the weekends and yeah. you, you work during the week and you, you don't put a second thought, really, yeah. you know. Um, but there is, like, I think there's also an elitist mindset from people when they um, when they challenge you on it. You know, and I found I had to really find a way to, to back up, you know, what I was talking yeah. about and my, and my beliefs. Even though you can't explain to them what happened to you no. in certain ways. Now, yeah. I will explain what happened to me because you have to do it there. And I, I haven't been in, this is episode six, and I haven't been talking to someone who has had an experience similar, you know. Mm-hmm. But I think with the whole materials thing, um, that I, I'd say, you know, now that I've looked into research, scripture and the science behind it, yeah. it's helped me build a lot of my faith. 
and I feel as though there's a lot of things that we think are set in stone. And you know, I remember my friend saying to me, I should look to he was always uh, a school friend of mine, he was always a good Christian. I think he'd always have been. Um, and he was always saying to me that you should look this up and you should think about this. And I was only at the start out and I was kinda of like taking a step back and saying, Oh but that surely that's already set in stone and all and it really, you know, opened me up to you know, looking into things and realising an awful lot for myself, you know, that backed up my own faith. I, I don't use it as arguments. I do use it as arguments, but only when I'm confronted with it, you know. Yeah. But my, I think my, I'll, I'll tell you what happened to me, and it's a bit, I've told Jimmy, he's one of the only people I've told. Right. Uh, I've told a couple of people, but when I, as 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 young as four, um, I was back as far as I can remember, as a kid, I remember being in bed and seeing these kind of dark kind of silhouettes around the room, night after night, you know. Yeah. I didn't know what they were. And this happened an awful lot. And what I used to do was my dad would close the door, turn the hall light off and go into the room. And, and I'd be afraid, afraid to wake them up, afraid of this. And I'd often curl up on a ball in the hallway. And that's went on for years. We moved around a little bit. And... Uh, I always, you know, was terrified about it. And I think it went on for so long that it was all from, like, you know, that kind of thing influences you a good bit, I think, you know. Mm. I went away after a few years, but I always had, like, the, the door a bit open or, you know, even even as a teenager or into my 20s. Yeah. And um, I I went to see... My mother was getting to far, going to see fortune tellers, you know. Yeah. And um, she had her father and mother had passed and she was trying to talk to them and there's a famous one in Canada and he was talking to everybody and she had said a few things, strange things happened to her around that time. Now, she said that she woke up and couldn't move and there was someone, looked like someone was at the end of her bed and there was this thing, you know, she walking through the house and the cups would swing and the, the, the mic would turn on and it just yeah. strange little things like that but she just, we, none of us ever chopped down too much. Yeah. I didn't see the first time it was about a 19 I think and a lot of stuff had stopped happening to me for a few years leading up to that where I thought you know I was finally flicking the light off and in the hallway and I was finally going into bed and okay with things and all you know funny enough I always kind of said a prayer before I went to sleep and I think my nan was very religious and I think she kind of instilled that but he used to just say glory be or something and then yeah. go to sleep or something you know not every night but most nights yeah. but I went to see this fortune teller and you know, he, he he barely looked at me. Someone told me, go in there, cross your arms and don't move an inch because these guys read your whatever, your movements yeah. and all. So I did that and he spat out everything, you know, and I not knowing about, you know, the dangers of it. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, went home and before I left, he asked me, do you want to say, you want to ask three questions? So the first one out of my mouth was, when I was younger and growing up, I had seen these shadows all around the wall. I said, I come, terrible feeling, it's red when it happened. You can even feel it before you saw it. And he said, yeah, this is what this is. And he didn't even look at me and spoke about it. And just, you know, this is visitation or whatever like that. And don't worry about it. Here's a book. You can do what I can do as well. Read this book and study it and you'll be fine or whatever. Two days later, I woke up. For the first time in years, all these things all over the place, you know. And I, I remember getting up when I went out of the room and I could look in from the light shining in and they were so black they were darkening the you know the light and all I said what the hell is going on this is back now I didn't know I went to see my nan and I told her about it and she said 
you know, will will bless you for going to your fortune teller because that you shouldn't have done that, you know. Yeah. And I thought that's a bit much, you know. I, you know, she was super religious, and I was kind of like, all right, okay, you know, whatever. Um, but the years went on. A couple of years ago, anyway, it came back kind of. It was kind of like that as well. I wake up with they call it sleep paralysis, but you also you notice something in the room with you, and it's horrendous. I woke up one night like I was being choked, and my brother that was there. He woke up, he said he felt a hand hit his bed at the same time. He walked out and this thing like jumped onto the wall. At this stage, I was like, this is this is crazy what's going on. Yeah. So I had locked, I was stuck into a lot of documentaries. So the age of the internet came where, you know, Google was, yeah. you know, coming the 2000s or whatever it was. And I was old enough at that stage, like a teenager. And uh, I started Googling, you know, these shadow things. And I realized yeah. hundreds and thousands, millions of people had seen them all around the world. Like, the exact things, you know, there's artist depictions of the exact things, mm. and I thought it was very odd, and so I'd seen a documentary with this guy, you know, was seeing these things, and this priest came in, because they, they had scientists monitoring their sleep, yeah. they couldn't figure it out, and he said, just your fate is weak, and you're on that brink of almost being saved, they say, and not mm. being, yeah. and the way I can, I picture it is like, you know, if you're in a cave, and a ladder drops down, and you know if you go for that ladder, these things will rush out yes. at you almost. Yeah. Um, but, so what happened was, he said, oh, Jesus, I trust in you three times. And it stopped. Now, I had tried everything at this stage, you know. So I had nothing to lose. I wasn't that much faithful. I didn't go to Mass, nothing like that. Yeah. So I said, one night, these things were there. And this was, I was like 27, maybe 28. It's, I'm 30 now. I was 27, so it's not that long ago. And I sat aside the bed and I said it. And like that, it's like the room lit up almost you know it was like yeah. this thing came into the room this light almost and everything just just went away and yeah. i fell asleep within five seconds and i slept so well it happened a couple of times i said that a few times and that was it and then my fate started to build a bit yeah. it never happened again and uh, you know i bought myself across the wear and i've always said my prayers now yeah. and i don't fear any of it anymore at all you know yeah. and it's never happened since and I feel as though that was the, the little bit of opening the door as well when I said them words, like you said as well, by saying yes to your friend, maybe it opened the door a bit. And I think that, like that, it found me. You know, a lot of people say, well, you know, if you were looking for it and you said them words, I wasn't looking for that. You know, I didn't know what was going to work. I tried everything. I got to fortune tellers, which is the opposite end of the spectrum, yeah. you know. Yeah. And the Bible even says that that's an abomination. Yeah. Those who speak to the yeah. to the dead, you know, there's yeah. nobody speaks to the dead, you know, um, the masquerade as the dead, you yeah. know, and there is, you know, a demon entities, bad dark entities yeah. who who do. They're always constantly ready to attack people. And yeah. If you don't have your shield, you know, I, I think my faith is my shield, yeah. uh, you know, and if I, you know, my prayers and all that, and if you don't hold that, carry that, you know, they break in, you know. You know, because a lot of people I find, um, nobody wants to talk about the devil. Yeah, yeah. Right? No one wants to say the D word. Yeah, yeah, it's or, true, yeah. You're mad, you know. Yeah. But yeah. literally, it's only good and evil. Yeah. You know, there's no other way. Yeah. You know, there's only one way you're going to go, up or down. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's not a joke. Yeah. And I feel, what well, I don't shove anything down anyone's neck like yeah. that but um jesus died for a reason you know and he's there for a reason to protect us 
he he knew what we would need yeah. ahead of time. God knew what we would need, and I have um, great faith in God and yeah. in Jesus. And like that, when I was trying to search, um, why 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 should I believe in Jesus? Of like, why did it take up to this point? You know, to yeah. find anything yeah. or sense anything. Mm-hmm. But I was so closed off many years. And um, I started looking into the incorrupt saints, you know, and I find those so fascinating. Yeah. Um, there's something like, I think, 200 and... I'm not sure on the exact figure, but there's a couple of hundred um, incorrupt saints in the world, mm. and one of them being St. Faustina. Okay. You know, in Poland, and St. Bernadette yes, of Lourdes. Mm. Yeah. And there's no scientific um, evidence of why these saints don't... They should be decayed. Yeah. You know, or how come a saint, if it's dug up after 10 years, it hasn't decomposed. Really, yeah. You know? Yeah. And that for me was like, yeah, come on now. You know, there's... Just something... You know, you yeah. know what this... Yeah, a lot of people say, you know, when you talk about Jesus and God, people are like, oh, that's all chestnut, you know, and they back yeah. away from it and all. You, you know, you can fall into thinking about it in a certain way. Yeah. But um, I think... I. When I speak to someone who is agnostic or atheist about it, I, I feel now and that I, I know that much about it. My faith has got to a level where I'm speaking from a position of strength. I mean, a lot of people think that you know faith is a clutch because you're afraid of death and all this kind of thing. Yeah. It's very much the opposite, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think that you know, even you know, I got I talked to a lot of people who are kind of shooting. A friend of mine bumped into me the other day, and he was uh, shooting a lot of cosmology and quantum physics at me, you know. And anyone with a laptop now and a few hours to spare, you know, can, you know, learn an awful lot about something, you know. Mm. So I have, I've read an awful lot on, on recent things, you know, and um, there was a lot of stuff about the Big Bang and how it came about yeah. and uh, the way evolution has been, but there's a lot of gaps in it. Yeah. And I think that's where you have to take that leap of faith. A lot of people don't realise how many gaps are in that. Yeah. When you take that leap of faith between... They can't explain how the world came to be, but everyone knows it had a beginning. Yeah. So they only narrowed it down the last few years. A lot of things that faith will tell you, that scientists are only discovering now. Yeah. You know, it, it, the Bible, they actually, archaeologists go back and reference the Bible when they're looking for findings or, or yeah. sites and things like that. It's that accurate, you know. Yeah. And um, there's a lot of, I actually wrote this down because I came across it recently. Um, I look at a lot of David Wood and William Lane Craig and a lot of these guys and a lot of their books and what they say and all, but there was one about um, the, about the scientific revolution, which is the 14th, 15th century. You know, I think there's an idea that the atheist thinks that science is on their side, but I think there's it's a completely different spectrum. You know, mm-hmm. science is knowledge from the Latin word knowledge, yeah. and it's just all it does is set up hypotheses. You know, and they, they you, you set out what you're gonna. Uh, look to find out mm. and it's just an exercise that goes through yeah. and we get the findings from it and they can only go so far that's only applicable to the material world because yeah. you know that's all you can that's all you can measure or quantify yeah. you know yeah. in your hands and your with your sight but like even the the fact that you would around and say like even the conscious mind they can't actually locate it or figure it out really yeah. or the fact that we dream when we sleep it's rather that something inside us dreams yeah. almost because we're not in control of our thoughts because you have to actually strip down a lot of your functions to even be able to sleep, you know, yeah. to get a deep sleep. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of times where you have these kind of meaningful dreams. And people have been interpreting dreams for years. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, you know, are much more open to the fact that 
everyone has a paranormal story to tell, you know, about a haunted house and all. They might not believe in God, but they believe in that for some reason, you yeah. know. And it's like, yeah. well, why, you know, why make that stretch us, you know? And, you know, you should really, if you're considering one, you should really consider the, the stronger one. Yeah, and a lot of people will kind of go for what suits their lifestyle better rather yeah. than what's uncomfortable. That's true, A yeah. lot of stuff in the Bible um, people will find uncomfortable to follow. Yeah, you know? that's, that's it, yeah. They don't want to change their lifestyle no. to it, and they'd rather be more ignorant than look into it, I suppose. That's it, you know, and really, we're accountable for our ignorance too. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, God does knock on everyone's door, I believe. Mm -hmm. But um, another, um, another really interesting thing too is about... Um, the visionaries in Medjugorje. Okay. Um, they have been having visions uh, from since 1981 up to date. Right. And there were scientific tests done on those people, you know, that were describing them. And while they are in a state of ecstasy, is what they call it, when the Virgin Mary appears. Yeah. Um, what they did was they did tests on them like you know, to make sure that they were being truthful. Mm -hmm. So they would, like, do tests on their eyeballs. Oh, and, yeah. And, you know, on their skin with the needles and things that a normal person, you know, you would flinch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they never, never budged. Really, yeah. You know, they never, they were in that stage from whatever length of time the apparition takes place, maybe five minutes, and then after she would leave, they would come back to a normal state and then they would convey their message. Right. You know, and um, the fruits of Me I've been to Medjugorje twice. Where is that? Um, it's in Croatia. Okay. Yeah. And, I mean, the fruits of it are amazing. You know, there's many, there's many stories of people's testimonies of Medjugorje where um, one particular one always resides with me was when um, um, a doctor who was an abortionist who went to um, Medjugorje and whilst he was climbing the apparition hill he had seen all of the bodies of the babies that he had aborted oh, all the bones really, yeah. of the lives that he had taken yeah yeah uh, which in turn frightened him and of course he repented and he yeah. went back home and in turn brought more doctors out and more people of his friends yeah. in his circle yeah. do you know the fruits of that is amazing. If you go out to Medjugorje, you'll see, I mean, there's at least 20 confessionals, but you will see at least 50 to 100 people in each queue. Really, yeah. You know, is, yeah. like, it's like, for me, when I went the first time, it was like a little, you know, unknown hidden gem. Hidden gem, yeah, yeah. You know, you know, it's funny, people would say, like, well, it's mad that people go there. You know, I think it's more mad to go to Spain 20 times to sit in the English yeah. bar, you know, each time, you know, when I go, like I'm going to uh, Israel in yeah. September and yeah, part of my faith, part of culture as well, a part yeah. of like just seeing, you know, that, you know, I think when, when you go down that road, you start to become very passionate about it in certain yeah. ways. So like one big thing is me, I want to see the tomb, you know, I want to yeah. see, you can go into the room where the last supper was, I want to see that room, you know, I want to yeah. see, the mountain, the sermon, where was that mount? You know, I want to see all these things, yeah. you know. I want to go down to the River Jordan, you know, and do all that, you know. Um, and it's better than going to, you know what I mean, yeah. than Spain or, or like that, you know, why not go? But, um, yeah, when I was saying, it's funny when you're saying the experiments and things like that, there's a couple there, 
that came to mind. Uh, there's one, I got a link to the link to below on the video of uh, Ron White. Did you ever hear of Ron White? He's yeah. made these amazing discoveries. He, he reckoned he found the Ark of the Covenant and um, he tested blood from it. And he went to a place in Israel, they're all Jewish, and he asked where it's a good, you know, research facility I could check this out in. So they, he, he didn't say anything about it, I gave him the blood, and um, they they checked it out, and they rang him up, and they said, uh, now he, he tells a more story of what they put it in, the chemicals they put it in, how long they left it, and room temperature and all. But they said that um, there's, there's something, there's like 40, there's 52 chromosomes in the human blood, I think I'm getting that right. Mm. And there's like um, there's like thirty some Amazons and some on the mother side and certain from the father side, but um, the blood they they tested was all from the mother side. And they said, "Where did you get this blood? This is all female DNA." Mm. And I said, um, "And as well, this 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 blood is living blood. You know, mm. this a caveman uncovered. This is someone who's alive." And they said, "Well, he said that's that's the blood of of Christ." And like they they said, "Them men." They were completely transformed their whole life. Yeah. They left, you know, because they've never seen blood like that. But it's amazing, like, and it's yeah. actual factual. And it's funny it's factual, how yeah. people, you know, you know, the, the higher community just blow that off. That's an amazing find. And that yeah. actually was a scientific find. Yeah. You know, there's also another experiment we're talking about, like we know on top of the devil. Mm-hmm. People are afraid of horror movies with the devil in and all. They yeah. feel it so real. They feel it going to bed that night and all. There's yeah. that, that, that. It damages you in that way. It brings yeah. that fear into you. And fear oh, is everything. Yeah. But I remember there's an experiment done a few years ago, and it was saying um, it was while they're doing the God helmet. I was talking with the God helmet the last time. They're trying to cure um, mental illness, you know, and they're trying to put this helmet on. They're trying to get the electrical nerve endings, and mm. they couldn't do it. And uh, they also did on one side was um, with a God helmet. People were feeling a presence every time yeah. they put it on. Atheists, different cultures, everything like that. Um, but what they did was they had a lot of atheists and they put them in a the room and they said, they flick off the light, right? And they know what they're doing. They said, think of God and, you know, someone starts sniggering and think of Jesus or whatever like that. And they're mad on their heart rate and everything like that. They said, think of the devil and a call on him. And there, there's a hesitation and yeah. all of a sudden the heart rates increase. And said, well, hold on, like, why are you so easy to dismiss, you know, the idea? You know, yeah. I think people make this stigmatic idea in their head. And it just goes to show you how real that is, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I, I was going back to talking about, I was talking to my friend about these uh, scientific findings, you know, yeah. and how it knocks out uh, Catholicism and Christianity, but it doesn't whatsoever. Yeah. And what I came across, and actually I'm going to read it off the screen because there's quotations in it. It's about the scientific revolution in the 15th century. And these are all the fathers of science in different ways. And they are quotes to why, these are the questions asked, why they looked into these things or how come they found it. Mm-hmm. So there was some guy, there was one guy, now these are going to be hard names to pronounce, Nicholas Capernus, Capernicus, uh, he's the instigator, he started the whole thing off. And his motivations were to explore the mighty works of God, that was his own words. Uh, Tycho Brehe, uh, he increased the stellar findings fivefold in his time. His words was to study the stars, you have God as a teacher. Uh, Galileo Galilei, he's the father of mar- modern uh, observational astrology. He said, when I reflect so many profoundly marvelous things that people have grasped and done, I recognize even more clearly that human intelligence is the worst work of God and one of the most excellent. Uh, Johannes Kepler discovered three laws of planetary motion. He said, since we astronomers are priests of the highest God in regard to the book of nature, it benefits us, not in the glory of our minds, but the glory of God. 
uh, René Descartes, known as the father of modern philosophy. I see plainly that certainly and truth that every science depends exclusively upon the knowledge of the true God to the extent of that prior to being me aware of him. And by as Pascal, mathematician, pioneer of the probability theory, there are two kinds of people that one can call reasonable. Those who serve God with all their heart because they know him and those who seek him with all their heart because they do not know him. And Robert Boyle is the father of modern chemistry. He said, the fastness, beauty and orderliness of heavenly bodies, the excellent structure of animals and plants, the phenomena of nature, just induced intelligence, unprejudiced observer to include a supreme, powerful, just and good author. Uh, Anthony Phillips, uh, father of modern biology, constructed most microscopes to, the, to examine microorganisms for the first time. It is hoped, it is to be hoped then, that inquires into nature's works by searching the deeper and deeper into the hidden mysteries will more place the discovery of truth before the eyes of all and the efforts of the former times that love and truth ought diligently to aim for. For we cannot in any manner glorify Lord and the Creator of the heaven than doing that. But uh, Sir Isaac Newton considered to be the greatest scientist in history. Atheism is so senseless and odious to mankind that it had never had many professors. And you know, like I think that even to look at you know when you look at science and how it was built on, yeah. these guys were all Christians. They all believed in Christ. You know, yeah. they all followed them things, and um, you know these guys know everything. You know, these are fathers of cosmology, and you know everything. You know, and when I start delving into it an awful lot, but there's more. You know that there is one side of things like how the Earth came to be, but there's also, you know, I see a lot lately. They're saying BCE instead of BC, and yeah. They're getting rid of Christ in the schools and, and, and everything, yeah. you know, they're pulling God out of yeah. people's lives. Yeah. Um, and BCE is before the common era, they call it, instead yeah. of before Christ. But um, I was only looking into, like, the facts of Christ. That, that, that he, he started his ministry when he was 30. It only lasted three and a half years. Mm. Now, this is for someone who, it's 2019 across the globe yeah. because of this man. If he was only three and a half years in ministry, you know, um, it's virtually impossible that they could have stolen his body because there's apparently three forms of protection. That's what a lot of people say. Maybe yeah. the body was stolen. There was Roman guarding. There was the large stone and the Roman seal. Yeah. And the penalty for that was, was crucifixion to the guards. Um, and this is why the Roman Book of Acts never dared suggest the body was stolen. You don't. You, that's not really... People might say it, but it was never contested back then. You know, yeah. No one ever went about... But um, the, I don't think leaving the shroud behind was an accident either. No. You know, they've done a lot of research... Yeah. And I know they searched, they, they checked into it in the 80s and they said, oh, this piece is not from it or whatever like that. But apparently, you know, um, they look, there's a big documentary, I'll probably link it as well, where it actually claims that it's from that time, it's from a man who was brutally beaten and crucified, but only in, for a couple of days, the shroud, which is unheard of. Um, what else is there? There was, uh, there's, there's, see, there's, I think there's, the, the five appearances after Christ, yeah. you know, these 12 apostles went, were separated and yeah. went into hiding and they came out of, of hiding because they were so convinced you know they were, they were afraid that they were killed but they came out three days later yeah. convinced and they were different part different parts of the map of the world some were wrong at some places and they were beaten um, yeah. and they went to their bloody deaths a lot yeah. of them never recanting their story and they're one of the only groups in history to ever do that yeah. and then it's not just them we appear to you appear to a crowd of over 500 at one stage 
and they tried to they tried you know, got a lot of atheist scholars and researchers trying to explain that saying maybe they had a mass hallucination yeah. people are like we well, can't have a mass hallucination all seeing the exact same thing at the yeah. same time you know that's just unreasonable yeah and some of the gospels are written 30 years to begin mm. to write it after his death like people say there's a big jump there's a big jump for some gospels yes but there's some writings you know within that lifetime from the people who saw it you know yeah. paul and, and you know and i think for our time as well um that's why like i myself i would have um, a devotion to the blessed mother i found that when i went to Medjugorje, um i had a lovely experience of her yeah and i remember i went with my mom and my mom was kind of um she had been unwell but we didn't know that her cancer was going to be terminal at the time so okay. before that so said right you know will we all club in and bring her to Medjugorje yeah so of course mom loved the idea because she was she, mom would pray her rosary every night and um, her prayers she had a rosary beads under her pillow yeah her scapular you know she was you know the blessed mother was her yeah armor. yeah yeah and um, I remember we were outside St. James's Church and in front of the church there would be like a statue of Our Lady and then the um, little railing and then a good bit away so from here to your wall out there that was the seat but she was off back there at the mm. seat and I was right beside the railing so I had knelt down and I was saying some prayers you know and I was praying for mama at the time and you know um, Our Lady is often depicted as having a um, scent of roses yeah um, quite strong scent of roses mm -hmm. And I didn't know at the time that Mam was praying for me at the same time. So I was kneeling and the roses just enveloped, you know, really? they just yeah. filled my nostrils. And Mam got the very same at yeah. that very same time. Now, there's no roses anywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A lot of people were saying, you know I mean? oh, chalked it down the coincidences. You can only chalk so many things down the coincidences. Exactly, you know what I mean? You, know? like, it's, you have to be reasonable at these things. You know, you can't just be looking for ways to knock it all the time. Yeah. You know, the, you know the, these things happen. And, you know, we all know this is spiritual. It's like, you know, it's like people's potential. You know, everyone believes in potential. Even though you can't see it or grasp yeah. it tangibly. But everyone knows, you know, if you're not living up to your potential, people might say that. That's a yeah. real thing. You know, there's a lot of things that are, are real concepts and, and beings and, you know, that, uh, you know, experiences that, you know, we can't, everyone knows there's a spiritual side to everyone, you know, in certain ways. But I think as well, what I was like, there's a, there's a line in the Gospel of Thomas, which was actually only discovered in 1945. Yeah. And it says, the kingdom of God is laid out among all men, but only few will see it. Yeah. You know, I think it is true. I think that, yeah. but listen to people, you know, and, you know, sometimes it's hard to listen to super religious people and, and say, yeah, maybe they're right. Sometimes, yeah. but it, sometimes it might just open the door a little bit. And sometimes that's all that's needed, I think, sometimes. You know, a lot of people get stubborn. They get too invested in their own opinions. They don't want to be wrong about something. They don't want to look into it, especially if they're barking about something for years. Yeah. They're not going to look into it at risk of being wrong yeah. all this time after saying so much as well, yeah. you know. And Jesus, like, said many times, you know, the road to hell is wide. Yeah. And many find it. Yeah. It's yeah. an easy road. And um one book that I have been reading extracts from is um Saint Faustina and she was given um uh, exertions from Jesus to write down. Mm -hmm. Now 
she would have given the prayer the divine mercy. Yeah. Whereby, I don't know if you've heard that one. Uh, I said it over my nana's bed before she passed. She, 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 she passed under that um, cross. And uh, no one wanted it. I'm surprised. I was delighted to get it. But uh, yeah. you, you're supposed to say it in, 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 in the, the presence, presence of a dog. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah. And I mean, it's a beautiful prayer. Yeah, it's nice. And it's, it's, it brings them such comfort, especially if they, they are that way inclined. Yeah, um, amazing. But, um, you know, she had an image uh, that Jesus showed her of people going along their daily lives and kind of not really worried or wondering about life after death and yeah. living in sin as it was um, in whatever whatever they were doing in whatever way and mm. not thinking about God and they were happy, happy, happy and then you could see them falling off the cliff. Yeah. And she was shown that and she was shown how they had chosen that themselves. Yeah. Through yeah. their deafness and through not wanting to hear. Not wanting to hear it, you know, because there's plenty of evidence there if you want yeah. to delve into it. You know, a lot of people are resistant. They don't want to give up that lifestyle, I think. Yeah. But I think it'll catch up with them, you know. Johnny Cash is a good song about um, God. Sooner or later, God will cut you down, you know. Yeah. And I think that's what he's talking about. You know, if you don't listen, you know, you'll find yourself at 80 or 90, maybe realising your own mortality yeah. and then yeah. should I even listen, have I wasted this time? You know, while you can, I think, you know, we should delve into it at least. Like It's like it's like the training, you know. Um research it if you you know you yeah. have to look into everything that you're doing if, you're, if it's going to be a big part of your life this is these are one of the most vital questions if you look google debates on atheism and theism on, on youtube there's yeah. millions of views you know people are, are searching so you get comments from both sides yeah. but why are atheists looking this up and spending two hours watching these things if yeah, they're not, they don't believe yeah you know these yeah. are huge questions you know the miracle of lanciano as well it's a really good one to look up about the eucharistic miracle of yeah. the host Okay. And um, one of them was, um, it had been done, I think it was 1900 years ago, mm. it was the first miracle. And the priest um, doubted the presence himself yeah. of the host uh, being consecrated into the body and blood of Jesus. Yeah, yeah. And um, he put, um, usually what happens if you let a host fall on the ground um, in mass or whatever, um, you would pick up the host and you would place it in water. Oh really? So mm -hmm. it can be disposed of respectfully. Right, okay. That being the you know, the body of Yeah, yeah, Jesus. yeah. But um he put it into the water and it went into flesh and blood. And they got that tested and like what you were saying, yeah. it's the same thing. It's crazy, it had the yeah. chromosomes, it had the yeah, yeah. the flesh was from a badly beaten Heart, yeah, uh, from the front of the chest. Isn't it so yeah, funny that all these things are, are are scientific findings, but yeah. no one knows about them? Mm -hmm. They're huge, huge findings, yeah. you know, they're ridiculously like surely that's enough for people to go and say, What you know, personally, me who wasn't a follower when I said, Jesus, I trust in you, I knew I had to find there's a way to this name. Two days following that, it might have been even the next day, I don't know, it was that week anyway. I was driving home and I kept thinking about this this church in, in Carlo for some reason. It kept coming to my head. Mm. I turned the radio off and on. I said, what? You know, I've never even been in that church before. Why is that? I pulled up at home and this car rolled up beside me. And um, I, you know, I later find out that this is kind of something working on me. I think like, the Holy Spirit kind of works. Yeah. You know, that's the tool. And uh, these people pulled up and said, <laughs> they asked me, do you know where this church is? The one I've been thinking of. Do you know how to get to this church? 
I said, yeah, it's actually just straight down over the bridge there, you know. And they didn't even say anything, just drove off looking at me. It's really curious. I went in and started cooking food. I couldn't wrap my head around, you know. It's just funny, just to laugh it off. True on my phone, because usually, like, when you're on YouTube or you're on something on cooking music or something. I Googled the church anyway, and I sent this live cam feed for the yeah. church. I had never heard of this before. Clicked it on, and it was a camera from the church, and there was loads of people in it. And I was like, something's just about to start. Yeah. And the priest says, if anyone's listening in live or at home, if they're close by, come on in. It was the first thing I heard on it. <laughs> so I was kind of like, here. I turned off the gas, and I got changed. And I'm still not, you know into the whole church scene at this stage. I'm still yeah. yet they're trying to realise what's got to happen the other night. And I walk up and there's cars everywhere, there's people all over the place. There's a parking spot for some reason right outside the church. Yeah. One and it was like went down for miles, like these cars. How that was there I don't know. I pulled into it. I walked up and there's people even out the back, you know, where you get the holy water all outside mm-hmm. the church. Couldn't get into it so yeah. full. Someone uh, handed me a leaflet and said, Go on in son, right? So I you know, like where are these people going? I walked in and this guy comes up to me and he puts his hand on my shoulder. He points at one seat left and there's rows and rows that goes down this way. It's a church in Great Cullen there, the yeah. beautiful big one. And he points right over to one, one seat left and he goes, that's left there for you. Oh. Right, so I, I kind of, you know, who's this guy, you know? And what's going on? So I went over and sat down. There were screens, I couldn't really see it, but there were screens up and this guy got up and spoke and he was a, uh, from Northern Ireland, he run. He was a blind man. He was shot by a rubber bullet when he was young for the for the North during the Troubles. He spoke about this, you know, uh, renewing the faith he had. It was very strange. It hit home. He spoke yeah. for like forty minutes. I don't know how this wasn't like a regular mass. Yeah. And uh, you know, it was, he was speaking like like it was like directly to me. You know, I'd say a lot of people felt that way. Yeah. And um, he got down. He, he runs his children in Crossfire charity. Uh, like I sent him an email afterwards. But when I was walking out, I walked by him. I still didn't know what I was doing there, so people were all shaking his hand and leaving. And I got in the car, I looked up and I said, oh, I have to go over, you know, I've come yeah. this far and say something to him, you know. And I kind of only stuttered out a few words, it's like, you know, I just wandered by Mass tonight, but your story really hit home or whatever like that. So I ended up emailing them about it and, you know, subscribing and, and you know, doing a few yeah. bits with them or, or, you know, whatever. But, you know, it's funny, you know, sometimes when you, when you open that door a bit, you know, you're shown the way sometimes in a lot of ways. These things pop up, yeah. you know, and, you know, they're very strange occurrences that you just can't chalk down as coincidence sometimes, I think, you know. Mm. And then it's, you know, some people maybe don't want to hear it, but that's fine. You know, I think it catches up on you now and again, you know. Not yeah. that it's chasing you down, but it's there. It's always there. And I think when you just look, you know, change your opinion, just be open-minded about it sometimes, it, you know, yeah. and that's at the end of it. I was reading yeah. a funny story there recently about, uh, did you hear about this Brazilian guy last year who said he was burying his Rolls Royce with him so he could no. take it to the afterlife no. with him? No. <laughs> and uh, he's, the most, he's one of the most powerful guys in Brazil. I think his name is, uh, I think I wrote it down, what was his name? Mr. Scarpa is his surname anyway. But uh, he had the whole world up in arms saying it's crazy, you know, and uh, you can't bring material things after you, you know. But he actually passed, and uh, what a what he actually did, he left a note saying, I'm not buried at Rolls Royce with me, but I wanted to show everybody what you're doing when you're not becoming organ donors. You're burying something that's so valuable to other people. But but the whole world thought of Rolls Royce must be valuable, and everyone thought about it, but only half people think about organ donors. So straight away when I heard that, that was a great idea. You know, everyone was up in arms about him, 
And it was only just to make that point. Yeah. And I went and signed to be an honor straight away and I said, you know, yeah. that is right. And I watched a few documentaries of people giving hearts and, you know, you know, it's amazing really, you know. I thought it was funny, but it's on that kind of note of funny line, there's a guy, Frederick Boer, who invented the Pringles can. He passed away in 2008 and they actually buried his ashes in the in the Pringles can. That's a, that's a true story, you know. Right. I thought it was crazy, you know. But um, now I do think that, would you, what would you say to people who are kind of, I know a lot of people, of, of my friends, have had similar situations to me. When I opened up to what happened to me, there was about 10 or 20 people who came up um, and said, that happened to me too, you know. Yeah. Or, you know, sometimes you can think you're alone. I think this is where these kind of thoughts, your, your mental health can get damaged a lot. And that, yeah. that's what the aim is, I think, to isolate you and put you in fear. Yeah. Um, and when you speak about it, even though you're afraid to speak about it, you know, mm -hmm. Jesus said to his apostles, you know, if the world hates you for saying these things, just yeah. remember it hated me first. Yeah. You know, and so basically, and, and blessed are ye who, who say my works, even when men condemn you, you know. Yeah. Uh, or blessed are those who, who believe and do not see. Yeah, you know, that was one. the one. Yeah, it's a yeah. big one, yeah. yeah. But um, what would you say to people who, if you had any advice, who are on that, you know, middle line where they're, you know, a few people come to me and said, I started thinking about this lady as well. Would you, what would you say advice-wise be if people were on that and looking for a way of delving into a bit? Yeah, well, what I would say is, Look, you've nothing to lose and everything to gain. Yeah. When you meet Jesus. Yeah. And um, my faith has brought me so much healing. God has really healed me in so many ways that I never, even places I didn't know I needed healing yeah. mentally, physically, mm -hmm. emotionally, spiritually, in all those ways. And. Um, yeah. When I look at people sometimes and I can see brokenness in them um, like I would have experienced myself and I'm kind of compelled to say to them like, look, do you want to come to Mass? Do you want to get help? You know, sometimes people are afraid to admit that, yeah, they might want to go. Mm -hmm. Like I was, I knew I needed to go to the prayer meeting but I didn't want to go. Yeah. But yet, I knew I had nothing to lose. Yeah, exactly. You yeah. know, I had everything to gain. Mm -hmm. um, I think, um, you know, one of the saints said, it was St. John Christonium, he said that um, once you enter the church, it's not that God won't let you leave, but you won't want to leave. Mm -hmm. And that was me very much. Yeah. And great healing, I mean, through the sacrament of confession, like, like that with the apostles and um, Peter was the first yeah. Jesus handed him the keys of the kingdom and he said you know those sins you forgave are forgiven those that you retain are retained he gave him that authority to go out at the apostles and be the first priest yeah and to save people yeah in his name and yeah I think that as well when you have that calling you become the apostles so you yeah. have that calling that responsibility as well to to speak your faith you know and speak it you know you have to be you have to take sometimes it takes a bit of courage to say it yeah. sometimes you know and a, a lot of people you know there's a trend of atheism i think in the yeah. last few years and people say oh that's the way it is and all. sometimes you're singled out a bit yeah. even though most of the world are still are still uh, 
Catholic, you know, believe in Christ. I think it's 2.5 billion yeah, who, who yeah. believe, which is a huge. But when you yeah. put that into proportion of adults in the world, it's yeah. over half the population of adults in the yeah, world, you know. Exactly. And that, that that name has such weight to it. Like it lasted. If it, if this was a crazy man, mm. like there was plenty of, you know, 2,000 years ago, you know, and that was only three and a half years doing these miracles and things. Yeah. It wouldn't have lasted. You know, it couldn't have. You know, when people say, "Oh, you're." You know, you're Christian because you're in certain countries. Well, that happened thousands of miles away. You know what I mean? That happened so far away. You know, I know the word spreads and all, but people are are coming back. There's a a line as well that says, you know, every man has to be born again, or or mankind, everyone has to be born again. Mm -hmm. I think as well, a lot of people fall off in their faith when they're teenagers in a lot of ways, um, and then they never look look at it again. But I think that for such an important team, you shouldn't dismiss it with an uneducated, yeah. immature mind, you know, yeah. as a teenager. The biggest thing in the world that you figured out when you're 14, I don't think so. You know, like, yeah. you really have to go back at that. And you might find, maybe, like, the possibilities, you might you might be happy with, oh, look, I looked into it and I couldn't find anything. And some people, but at least you, you didn't lose anything. Yeah, you know? oh, God, I'll always find a way. Um, I don't know anyone, and even yourself, anyone I've ever spoken to who has met Jesus. Mm-hmm. Anyone who's ever looked for him, they've had an experience. Yeah, it is true. And they've never walked away and said, uh, wasn't for me. Yeah, I don't yeah. know anyone yet. There's, there's a thing, you know, um, I think, you know, if you're calling it, you won't go on deaf ears. And sometimes yeah. all it takes is really thinking about it, though, not just saying the words, you know. You really say, right, for five minutes here, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to speak, you know, yeah. and see what happens, you know. Um, and I think, yeah, like that, no one ever told me a story where they did that and, they came yeah. back empty, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's like that parable in the Bible uh, with the seed. You yeah, know. The, the mustard seed. Yeah, uh, yeah. no, the seed where um, it's like the seed of faith. Yeah. So okay. the word was being spread, but some of the seed fell on fertile ground. That's right, and yeah. Some of it grew up. That yeah. was the people who were willing to listen. Yeah, yeah. And some of it um, did fall, but it didn't actually grow because the cares of the world choked it out. Yeah, exactly, yeah. You know. And you can swing as well as well, you know, the parable of, and good fruit as well. I think yeah. that when you do find it, you know, I think that you, you have to, like one of the ideas with this podcast was mm-hmm. to was to kind of straighten out, to give people who are on that verge, you know, um, a way of looking at it where they can justify it, you know, yeah. and let them know there's a lot of people there and it ties in so much in a lot of ways. Um, and I think that it was, everything was spoken in parables as well, so that could be timeless, I think, as well. Yeah, you know? and people could understand. Yeah, no matter what know. culture you're in, everyone understands the idea, like, you know, everywhere there's, there's plants and there's seeds, and everyone knows yeah. the concepts, you know. I think it was very intelligent for someone who was just a man, you know, yeah. or, you know, like, the, the way these things are still being learned about. And everything um, in the parables, you know, kind of linked back to creation. Yeah, that's right, know? yeah, yeah. You know, God created seeds and made plants, and He was able to convey these things to humans through creation. And, yeah. You know, talking like that with, you know, your seeds and your plants and. Yeah. Like. It's even the seeds in the water. You know, like the, when you think of like where we get our medicine from, it's from plants, and you know, and and where we grow our crop from, we just bury that seed again, and yeah. it comes up again. It's amazing, you know, just the soil of the earth. Yeah. You know, it's bringing forth the life of it, you know. Yeah. It's the fine-tuning of the universe. It's a lot of the Kalam arguments I often watch William Lane Craig speak about, you know, and um, Kalam Cosmological... Cosmo- sorry. The Kalam Cosmological 
uh, argument yeah. where you know it's there's a lot of things where um, it's just the finely tuned universe mm. is too funny. The information in DNA in a pin drop apparently is a stack of books you know, mile high. You know, yeah. it's it's ridiculously. You know, they're still trying to figure it out. This day and age where they can do amazing things. You know, cars run on you know you know anything yeah. and like you know lights come on even like people can move eyebrows and their wheelchairs can move now you know yeah. like it's it's you know and at this day and age they still can't get down to you know they often talk you know there's multiverses and all this kind of thing but i think we're jumping the gun there because when you can't get into when you can't explain the basics of yeah. what you're talking about when you can't find a reason for you know what why matter came into existence what was there before it what caused the explosion you know uh the universe is run by laws inertia centrifugal force gravity who gave the laws and all. Yeah. you know you're, you're jumping to go and jumping into bigger questions and then yeah. you know when you ask the simple questions and say well we don't know that yet and that that's genuinely the answer yeah. they have you know and yeah. it's 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 flawed you know there's bigger there's bigger issues we're thinking about right now that yeah. don't actually clash with scientific evidence so far yeah you know and even even i suppose for nowadays like um for people my own age and you know our age i guess where they're at a time in their life where they might be thinking about god or you know you can always come back to well there's always right and wrong like god has um, imparted mm-hmm. to us and um, the natural law yeah and the natural law yeah is you you have a conscience and you know the difference between right and wrong. Exactly. So morals, you know, it's very yeah. hard with materialistic worldview to derive morals from the mirror. Yeah. Like we, we have the God as the standard of good yeah. and the, the evil, you know, yeah. and you have we all have this inner voice of consciousness, you know, of the conscience mind that tells you what's good and bad. Yeah. You know, we all know you do good things, you know, good things manifest, I think, you know. Yeah. Um the language has been lost all the time, like um I find that um, speaking to people that um, their vocabulary wouldn't have sin, the word sin, or you don't use this word or that. Whereas, you know, um, for me, like with my children now, um, I like to pass on what I learned and what I'm learning now. Because it's fruitless for me to say, right, I believe in God Mm -hmm. and Jesus. And then... Just turn around and not do anything with them. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm trying to um at my time now read them a uh, children's Bible. Yeah, and they love them stories. They yeah. love them, and like my son will often come to me and he go, "Will you read me the one about Jesus and um, Lauren the leper?" You yeah, know, yeah, yeah, he yeah, loves yeah, that one yeah. and things that touch his heart to know. Yeah, but um, I suppose it's just growing. It's uh, we're growing every day and. Nobody can argue with your personal testimony. Yeah. You yeah. know, and um, that's it. And you know, I know to other people it can't be proven, but it's 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 personal because it's gonna prove it to you. Yeah. You know, and I think everyone if they look for it, they'll find their own one. You know. You have um I studied near death experiences last year and the, the amount of people who have them it's like one in twenty yeah. across the world and um like literal surgeons are being converted by just yes. witnessing these things, you know, by not yeah. being able to explain it. Um, it's, some stuff is just the, the, the amount of evidence in every field, neuroscience and everything I was talking about, you know, they're studying people's brains when they pray, and there's like an extra portion of brain lights up, brain lights up. It's like they use that extra portion that no one else uses, you know, that there's it's like the connection or something, you know, 
but in in every form of of science or not even science but just every dimension you yeah. know there's mountains of faith but there's just enough that you know people often say hey, why isn't god you know shown to everybody then yeah. sure then why would it be a test of faith at all you know you need yeah. to find it you know and you, you have to go looking for it that's yeah. the whole point you have to make the effort yeah. yourself and like that um, in knock as well the apparitions of knock they um our lady appeared to 17 different age groups so that it couldn't be contested you know yeah, yeah. you've got maybe uh, four or five year olds right up to like 80 year old and yeah. they're all a different group of people yeah to that seen the same thing mm-hmm. for the apparitions at knock yeah like those things are not explained yeah, yeah. and can't be explained no i think it's good to look at them the universe is there and we have all these things and you know it's good for us to understand them it's good to look into it you know mm. so you know i think that's Fair play to you for, for coming out and speaking to it. Like, if it's Thanks, yeah. Thanks very much. <laughs>